Everything I think has just changed. Um, Gavin Norman from Necrotic Gnome has just sent me um, an invitation to take part in a Dolmenwood um, playtest using the player's book as it stands as a draft and we have agreed. Um, I certainly know that the Friday Night Gamers are up for it and we will start in a fortnight. But I also think it's possible for me to drop this on the school kids. I know that's not what we planned, but... Talk of a playtest is probably enough to persuade people it's a good idea. Um, so I have the, I guess, an opportunity to play Old School Essentials, you know. Um, so I'm going to go and grab the book and start reading again, uh, learn that game, um, but also to delve into Dolmenwood. And uh, Gavin has suggested that I I start with a particular place um, uh, from Wormskin Issue 2. So... Uh, the weird thing is I just discovered that I, I have some of the Wormskin stuff, but not all of it. So um, the last purchase <laughs> is to complete that collection um, prior. I know there's going to be a campaign book in the summer, but basically I've got to do this play test with what's in Wormskin. So that's what I'll do. And I'm pretty excited about that, actually. And so um, I've kind of just I've just started reading through Swords and Wizardry and then had this request. So um I might have to park Swords and Wizardry. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep that one bubbling around in my mind and have a look at it and see if I can get in some games or something. But what I'm bringing to the table right now is Dolmenwood for the Friday Nighters. And, um, yeah, in two weeks. So here's an opportunity for me to really practice that improvisational approach to gaming to sort of minimally prep run it on the fly, and see what happens. What do you reckon? Sound like fun? Things he won't share with us The darkness in his brain The dungeon master's plan The pleasure and the pain What's better left unknown Keep calling out to me I hear him think out loud To die My name is Che Webster, and this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary. So the last 36 hours, something like 40 hours, something like that, have been very intense for me and very exciting. And along the way, I picked up a few calls. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to drop these fantastic call-ins that I've been receiving in response to episode sort of, well, the last few episodes really, but most notably episode 22 of DM's Diary. Going to just drop them in without much comment because I just feel like they stand so well. But I just want to say a massive thank you to the callers. So Barney, Jason and Joe Richter. Thanks very much, guys. Game on. Hi, Che. I'm calling in because all of your episodes since Structures, Modules and Finding Groups have been really relevant and really useful to what I've been doing. So thank you ever so much for that. It's also been slightly weird that every time an episode comes out, again, it's got some really 
close relevance to to my to my thinking or my activities but great really great um of course that triggers a few thoughts and here they are regarding game structures i totally agree it's really, really important, especially as the GM, to have a handle on those. So I really enjoyed that discussion of almost how different genres of game suggest different kinds of structures. But I think you made this point that it's about being aware of how to combine those different elements or what kind of structure is in play at any given time. And I think that is so, 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 so important because... It means that instead of trying to dream up the most original adventure, what you do is you come up with a satisfying combination of different structures that will uh, that will make for a great game and subvert expectations, as I uh, said in one of my early messages to you. On the topic of RPGs, skirmish games and board games... I think you're right. There is an aspect of uh, marketing to do with all of that. But I do also think that they speak to different kinds of cognitive modes. And of course, one person can enjoy all of those different kinds of cognitive modes. And some people will enjoy some of those modes more of the time than other times. Um... Absolutely, absolutely. There are things to be taken from all of them. And so I think if one is uh, in that between mindset, I like the idea that it is possible to seize on some nice, interesting possibilities. On using RPGs in education, me being an English teacher in Europe, I think puts a bit of a different spin on the whole prospect So while all of the big themes, the important themes that you and Dave talk about in your episode are there, by far the most central thing for my students and for my players in Europe is getting the chance to use their English, to hear more English in a fun environment. The timeliness of all of this for me is that the day before your episode came out, I had handed in a letter to the bosses of my school requesting that I start a regular game club. It's Saturday night and it's been a pretty momentous day for me. So I was thinking about like Swords and Wizardry last night and um, and then this morning... I think I mentioned it in the last post. Um, Gavin Norman got in touch about uh, Old School Essentials and essentially offered to allow me into the play test, invite me into the play test to do uh, Dolmenwood. And um, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> and I made the decision. Well, I asked the guys, the Friday Nighters, if they would be up, still up for it. We talked about it a little bit um, back when I interviewed Gavin at the turn of the year. And they said, yeah, you know, that'd be kind of cool. But I wasn't entirely sure they were up for it. So today I just sort of texted the three guys and said, what do you think? And I've had a big affirmative. So I just make the decision. I'm plunging in. Two weeks, we're going to run Dolmenwood using um, old school essentials. And 
You know what? I think this is a confluence of things. Is that the right word? Uh, a convergence, if you like. Um, essentially, I've been moving and gravitating towards um, really <sighs> moving into trying to go back truly into the retro mold. I've always seen myself as a bit of a retro player, but the truth is that I've never really committed myself to trying those rules out for any real length of time. The nearest I got to it was BX with the kids last year, was it? Eight to 18 months ago now. Um, and that whole thing led to the birth of Roleplay Rescue. So that was a clearly a good decision and a good thing. But I ended up bottling out. I ended up kind of, um, yeah, going to what was familiar. And I've kept doing that. And I know that I pushed myself out of, last year, in the summer, I pushed myself out of my comfort zone by embracing GURPS and diving in there. And that's been quite an exciting journey. And and I'm still very much a fan of that game. But I realized that I needed to go further. I kind of needed to do a few things that are moving me out of my comfort zone. And I... I don't know, a couple of weeks ago I tried running a module and Traveller and and it was just, for me, a bit of a failure. It's not all over, but it's a bit of a failure for me. It didn't do what I expected to have, you know, have happen. It didn't, didn't work the way I expected it to, which is kind of the nature of experiments, right? But the truth is, okay, so I'm just going to say something a bit educationally here, but I'm a big believer in the growth mindset. I didn't used to be, but I've um, grown into a growth mindset and... Um, I see the value of that as an educator. What I mean is a lot of people believe that they're sort of good at things and bad at things, that they're sort of born with innate talents and all that kind of stuff. And and the research seems to be pointing to the idea that, in actual fact, the big determinant in someone's success or failure in any given sort of field or or task or project is essentially their effort. And their effort is tied a lot to their attitude in terms of you know, if they believe they can do something, they tend to work at it more, persist at it more. And, you know, the great truth in life, I believe, is that persistence is what pays off. And I'm not very good at persisting, I have to be honest. I'm the flakiest GM there is when it comes to gaming. And I also tend to bottle out of things if they're difficult. And I think that's because I'm human. But anyway, when it comes to my hobby, I've realized that I need to develop this growth mindset. And, you know, over the time being in the podcast and being encouraged by all of you guys who listen in and, and call in and all that sort of stuff, I have been encouraged more and more towards this mode of experimentation. And here I am. And I've heard people, you know, I've heard you all, um, those who've pushed me to go rules lighter, to lower my cognitive load at the table, to embrace a bit of abstraction to allow space for the narrative. Yeah, I've heard you, and I need to do that. And those of you who've encouraged me to, you know, go back to that old school way of playing that I used to have when I was a young kid, um, yeah, I've heard you. And those of you who have advised me in various different ways, um, you know, to sort of embrace uh, some of the great content that's out there yeah i hear you and and so those three things kind of come together really i'm gonna go rules light um and right here in my hand is a copy of old school essentials cool rules a little book from the box set which i've been reading today and getting into um obviously gavin has kindly let me into dongwood and i've gone and grabbed all the worm skin stuff um and i'm going to start digesting that little by little um 
but also he's being generous enough to sort of get me in on the play test with the player's guide and I can't say anything more about it but that that is the thing that you know we're helping him with but actually this whole thing is for me a grand experiment for myself our micro experiment if you want to use the technical jargon for the development of my own GMing skill and again my hypothesis is that I can run a old school essentials game in a in the Donwood sort of setting which is essentially a hex crawl um, or a hex map anyway um, but I'm going to bring in a third element and with a node-based approach with a narrative approach and I've the other thing that was momentous today is I had a conversation with Andy Goodman from Grizzly Peaks and um, you'll be hearing that probably in a couple of weeks on on the show once we get it edited um, once again I say we uh, what I mean is Frank <laughs> Frank so generously again uh, agreed to edit an interview for me to save me some time and yeah it'll take a week or two but anyway you're going to hear that conversation but in that conversation I realized um, something really important which is that this nodal um, structure game, game structure thing that um, the Alexandrian has been sort of writing about for so long and that I've been getting my head around yeah I know how to do it now um, and Andy helped me to really understand that it, the thing I need to add is um, goals, uh, definitive, like little end, end of, uh, it's like creating a little mini narrative by having an end goal and having a starting point and an end goal. And essentially the trajectory between that starting point and that end goal, that is going to be the story that emerges in play. So that was the first thing, encouraging me to get that end point in place. And of course, what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer the players multiple potential choices so they can choose the end goal, or at least the order in which they do those things. And um, I'm just going to fill in the blanks on the fly. And that's the other thing. I'm going to try and go for the lightest prep that I can. And so I'm going to take another hint and tip. And I'm going to thank, I'm going to thank um, Michael Shorten, uh, Chicago Wiz, for this one. Um, I'm going to, st he, he's sort of talking about all you need is three hexes, right? So I'm going to take Dolmenwood, I'm going to take a starting point location and I'm going to choose three hexes and I'm going to present the guys with, you know, think, if you like, uh, yeah, s s hooks, if you like, into three possible goals within Dolmenwood and then we're going to play from there and everything else I'm going to do on the fly as much as I possibly can. And that's why it's been such a momentous day for me because I have, I believe, made a breakthrough in my hobby and a breakthrough in the way I'm thinking. And unfortunately, it does mean I'm going to park a few things. It does mean that while I will continue prepping up and running um, GURPS Thal uh, for the online games, essentially that Friday night group is going to like focus in on Dolmenwood. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Dolmenwood to school. And I know that I sort of, tease the guys at school with doing some sci-fi and some other things but I believe that I believe that if um, this opportunity to do a, a play test is important enough and also I think it might work if I take some of this stuff in so I'm not 100% sold on that but I, I think that's what I'm going to do and that means I can really just focus in on yes developing Thal's map a little bit more and the dungeon and kind of slowly building that and presenting those games on a fortnightly basis online um, 
And then I can focus on this this campaign for the Friday nighters slash school. And um, I think it will be cool. And I uh, I really hope that everyone's going to have a good time. But um, yeah, I feel like I'm witchering, so I'm going to shut up. Um, actually, amazingly, I'm online in a few minutes with Evil Jeff. going to roll up his character for Thal. How cool is that? So I'm going to go and do that, and I'll catch everybody later. AJ Jason here. The apologize about the background noise driving home in the rain. But reference should what you should do with swords and wizardry and OSC, I think you've already decided. I would say go with OSC and, and run with it, which it looks like you're gonna do, which is great. So give it a chance, you know? Just give it a chance. Try to make some rollings at the table off the cuff, and you'll be okay. I got faith in you. The good thing is you have some good players there, and and you can, you know, if you if you need advice or it's okay to ask and and incorporate the players into those kind of rollings instead of rules. That's not wrong to do. So, you know, give it a chance, man. It'll be okay. Talk to you later. Hey Shay, it's Joe. I totally feel you on wanting to run a more grounded, less magical, maybe that's the wrong way to put it, but a lower magic setting. I I am currently running a super high magic, high tech fantasy, science fantasy campaign, and I'm going to run it, we're at 11th level now, I'm going to run it all the way through 20, because, you know, that just so rarely happens, but when I'm done... When I'm done, I'm definitely going... My next big campaign that I'm going to run is going to be much, much lower magic and much, much more grounded in reality. We're also on the same wavelength about the wanting to create more and focus more on the creation than all the, you know, outside stuff. Like, I get so wrapped up in the actual play podcast with the editing and all that stuff that... Sometimes I do. I forget, like, what's my joy, and it's it's world-building. I, I just love that, and so I've really gotten back into it with this whole focus on a more realistic, you know, in inverted commas, setting. It's been, yeah, I've been going hard on it for about a week straight now, and I probably won't get to bust it out for, I don't know, maybe another year but it's 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 just been really reinvigorating. It's been awesome. So anyway, dude, great episode. Peace out. On low fantasy, I'm totally with you on that. I think there's a lot more to discuss, and I hope you will. Um, just a couple of thoughts right now. Okay, I want to start with Ursula Le Guin's Earthsea books. In my mind those are low fantasy even though they've got dragons and shadows and magic and the reason that I feel that that's low fantasy is because of the way it's handled the way it's narrated so I think there's an aspect to the presentation of low fantasy in that sense my central game at the moment is into the odd slash electric bastion land in a way 
I feel that is low fantasy, but it's of course set in some kind of reasonably recent modern-ish kind of world. And it's completely over the top and ridiculous. I think what I'm getting at here is that I, in my mind, when people talk about high fantasy, there's a kind of swashbuckling element to it. Um, You know, the glinting teeth, the swinging from the ropes from one ship to another or something like that. And And I think... Cutting back on that is is where low fantasy is for me, I think. It's early on Sunday morning and um, I'm probably going to be a bit sleep deprived today. <laughs> Basically, I, I sat up till probably midnight last night because my wife was at a party and I was on standby to pick her up. In the end, she got a cab home, which was great. Um, but I and I was left, you know, I was I was on online talking to Evil Jeff, setting up his style character till I don't know about maybe ten fifteen, ten thirty, and that was awesome. And then I sat and read some OSE, um, which was great. And I realised a couple of things actually that I just wanted to note. The first of that I think I mentioned I can't remember what I said in my half delirious late night ramble in the last post. Um but I I resolved probably the biggest objection that I've always had to older rule set, and, um, and and it was quite revealing actually. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say this because so the big objection I used to have was about the locked door, um, and I wrote about this on a blog. And usually when I write about this, someone very aggressively um, kind of comments on my blog or at least behind my back on Reddit somewhere, kind of you know, talks about how BS my attitude to this has been. Um, and I kind of know that, and I've always kind of known that it wasn't really much of an objection, it was a niggle, but it was something that was a barrier, the locked door. Um, rules is written, um, there are two ways to open a locked door. You, know, you can have a thief pick the lock, and you can have a wizard cast the knock spell. Um there's no rule as written for smashing the door down. And I think I've always seen that as a kind of pretty significant oversight in the rules. And because of the way I think, it's like, well, surely that must have come up at some point and they must have like made up a rule for that. Come on. And I think it actually what it shows is two things that are really quite significant in a way that I think, first of all, is... This term of rules as written, I you know, I find it very revealing. It's quite revealing about me because somewhere along the line, I bought into the idea that um, you know, you, and I think I still have this um, belief. I think this is true, so to some degree, but I don't think it has to be true, which is kind of probably a weird thing to say. But I have this belief that you play a game, you're going to write a game, all the common situations that come up, you know, you should probably add in a note telling future players and GMs how that thing, you know, gets resolved. A kind of an an example of that, if you like, or at least a suggestion of how to handle it. And um, I just think that any rule set that's been around long enough is going to, 
you know, you're going to build up the ways that you do things. And I kind of feel like if you're going to sell the game to me, then you better damn well tell me that all the ways in which you resolved that or the way in which you got to resolve that that was satisfactory to you. I have always understood that I as GM can change that recommendation and, and tweak the rule. But to be honest, I don't want to have to do that. I think that I've always felt you know the rule set feels incomplete and that was kind of fundamentally my problem when I went back to Beckme you know, 18 months or so ago now two years ago was that I kept running up against these things that felt like they were gaps in the rule and I think over the last 24 hours I have genuinely genuinely shifted in my attitude and understanding I had a conversation on uh, Discord last night. I went in. I just dropped in. I went into uh, the Roleplay Rescue Discord and I asked the question. And a few people. I think Jason and, and Shandy Andy and um, I don't know maybe one or two other people popped it. I can't remember because I was <laughs> been quite sleep deprived the last few days. Um, but they came in and they gave me some just suggestions. And it was actually quite interesting because they were, you know, you know how would you handle it kind of things um, you know Shani Andy probably came out with something that at the time I was thinking well okay yeah I get that but I need to think about it um, then I just dropped in on a whim into OSE I went into the um, Necrotic Gnome Discord and I thought I'm just going to ask this question I expected to get flamed <laughs> I didn't get flamed um, I absolutely didn't get flamed it was kind of a wonderful thing. Um, basically, a bunch of really nice people came um, and just reasoned with me. And um, yeah, it was kind of cool. This guy called oh, a person, Talon, another person, Zach Beer, and Drablack basically engaged with me. And um, they taught me. In very simple short terms, um, that I don't need a rule. I think Talon's alright. Do you need one rule? What's the door made of? What are you doing to open it? You know, it's probably best for you to sort of clear your mind and um, trust your gut. And you know, I think he even made mention of the force. You trust the force. Um, and just say the first thing that comes to your mind and even just make that a deep percentile roll. And then from there, there was just like a pile of, oh, you could do this, or you could do this. And it suddenly struck me what rulings, not rules, actually means in a way that hasn't quite clicked before. Um, but what I was really grateful for is that nobody flamed me. It was, And I think I wrote in there, like, just thanks so much for the calm answers because I... I genuinely have been shouted at before for asking that great question. So that was a lovely thing, and I think it's a lovely thing that, you know, the uh, Old School Essentials community feels like the community I've been moving in recently in Roleplay Rescue and also in the Audio Dungeon Discord, which is actually quite friendly um, and patient with people like me who don't quite get it. And then a little later, I noticed, because I'd gone off to speak to um, Evil Jeff, but I noticed a little later that others um, kind of started to comment as well. Um, the fabulous Reese Laundry was one of them. Um, hi, Reese. Hope you're still listening. Um, and uh, somebody called, well, a he-him called Void Worship said hi. 
Um, it sticks in my mind, the pronoun thing always sticks in my mind. Um, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, by the way, it just sticks in my mind when people say if they're male or female. Um, perhaps it's helpful for me to process who I'm talking to. Um, anyway, I'm driveling. So yeah, that happened. And then I realised um, overnight something else, because in the hours between putting up at the end of the last DM's diary the, you know, I, I think I'm going to get into Source and Wizardry, I think I'm going to try this out, you know, what do I do? And Gavin Norman messaging me and inviting me to play in Dolmenwood. Between that time I sat and read Souls and Wizardry. I slept a little bit, but I didn't sleep a lot. And I and I read some Souls and Wizardry. And something really struck me um, reading that that I think has become a, a stepping stone. I think I needed to have done that bit of reading in Souls and Wizardry before I could have said yes to Gavin and sort of taken the plunge with Dolmenwood. And what it was was I was reading Souls and Wizardry and... Um, there's two things going on all the time I noticed as I was reading. And one of them was there's references all the time to... So in the original kind of 1974 game, this this is how we're resolving it. There's these little outboxes that kind of explain the choices they made, which when I previously read Swords and Wizardry, and maybe it's because I had the core rules before, um, and I never read really the complete rule book. Um, I bought it, and then it kind of went on a shelf. Um... I never really noticed before these little outboxes. Before it was like I'd read Swords of Mystery and then I'd read the original game and then I realised just how not a clone Swords of Mystery is in terms of rules as written again. Um, there's a lot of interpretation that has to go on really when you, like 74 D&D is woolly, shall we say. Um, and... Uh, but in, in the complete book, there's these explanations. And there's also these optional rules. Um, but there's lovely phrases in between, which in the main text, there's this kind of like... So, for example, I think there's something about um, the demi-human races. And it sort of says, if your GM is allowing this, or if your GM agrees. And I know that this happens in a lot of games. But yesterday, again, something clicked. That that combination of this is how we've tweaked the original game, and actually, if your GM your GM is the one who's empowered, it's that imagine the hell out of it thing that Matt Finch constantly goes on. That finally clicked, and yeah, I've kind of got I've I've arrived somewhere where I think, as I wrote in the Discord in the Necrotic Name Discord yesterday, I think I'm a newbie old schooler I think I have kind of arrived at a mental space where I am able to begin to learn to play in an old school kind of way um, and what I mean by that is the way a lot of people are playing which is rulings and not rules and is embracing the gaps in the spaces as a feature, not a bug, and is prepared to worry less before the game and embrace those spaces, as Dave Aldridge calls it, embrace the creative spaces. And I think I might have just found enough courage to step into that space and to give it a go.